Uh, if you have not gotten your free book, there's books at the uh, information center, and you can grab your book on your way out. Um, but we, we did it based on this book uh, by Chris Hodges. Um, we've done this a couple times. We don't, like, preach from other people's books, you know, on a regular basis. But we've used from this. As you read it, you'll find out that the message is why it drew from the book. It's not like the message was just the book. Um, our pastors, you know, put together messages that communicated around those concepts. But also, you know, it's kind of like one preacher said, you know, uh, you know, we... Uh, we milked the cow, right, but we churned our own butter. So, you know, there's milk in the book, and we took it from that and from the Word of God, and what we did is churned our own butter with that milk, right, and, and made our own messages. And so um, today what I want to do is just challenge you with this, is no matter where you're at in life, you're always going to have a next step. What's your next step concerning your marriage, your family? What's your next step concerning your kids? What's your next step concerning your finances, where you live, your job? What's your next step concerning your walk with God, your, your spiritual life? What's that next step for you? You know, pretty much every day we're asking, what next? You might be asking that from a standpoint of, you know, you know something's going really bad in your life. You're like, what next? Come on, has anybody ever done that? You know, things aren't going so well. You're like, what next? What's going to come next, you know? Uh, things are going really well, and you're like, okay, what can I do next, right? Uh, you're in a place where you can be a blessing to others, and you can do things to, to serve others. Um, I believe everybody can, but sometimes people are in a better situation. Sometimes you're in a, in a place of needing to receive from somebody who's willing to do what's next, and other times you're in a place of being able to give for somebody that needs a person willing to do what's next concerning, um, if you will, being a good Samaritan to somebody around them. Jesus certainly did that. It's not like he had to leave heaven, right? But what was next on heaven's agenda? What was next in heaven's plan? What was the next step with regard to what God set in motion before the foundations of the earth? My Bible tells me that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. So there was a plan to redeem mankind before the earth was ever formed. But that plan had a next step in it when Jesus uh, left heaven and took his next step and it was into the earth and he came down here and listen all God but all man think about it didn't have to but did because he wanted to he had a desire to serve mankind the Bible says that he humbled himself and he became a servant not any kind of servant but a servant to the point that he was so humbled that he humbled himself to the place of death even death on a cross as the scriptures say, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Jesus became the curse so we could be blessed. Amen. He was willing to take a next step in the plan of God and be used by God. Even though he was God, understand when, he, when it was Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, his earthly name, that when he was given that name, what happens is, is that's the name that's going to take the responsibility of God's next step towards mankind, and that's to redeem us. Come on, somebody. The question is, is what will we do with that message of redemption that Jesus provided with his next step? Will we take the next step of being available for God to use to share it with somebody else? Amen. Let me uh, read from Proverbs 29, 18, which has been our passage for, oh, yeah, here they are. I've got to get my glasses out, folks. 
grandpa's got to put his glasses on. I just spent the last nine days with my grandkids, and I've heard Papa as many times as I've heard it as long as I've had grandkids now, which is going on five years. Um, but, uh, you know, when I think about this with regard to next steps, Proverbs 29, 18 is pretty clear on it. If people can't see what God is doing, if people can't see what God is doing, Jesus saw the plan of God. He knew the plan of God. Matter of fact, he was part of making the plan, but then inserted himself into fulfilling that plan. We, being part of his plan, being redeemed, now become a part of the plan and the next step of God to further share the message of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Come on, are you with me this morning? Do you believe that or not? Raise your hand if you feel like it is your responsibility to share the goodness that Jesus has shown you. It's all of our responsibility to share. So that's our next step. Amen? We need to be willing to do that. So if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, say revelation, right? To what he reveals, they are most blessed. That's what I'm talking about. God revealed his son, Jesus Christ. We're getting ready to go into the Christmas season, and that was a time where God reveals his plan in a bigger way to mankind, right? There was prophecies foretold of the Messiah to come, but Christmas came, and God kind of unveiled just a little bit more. You hear what I'm saying? Revelation, that's what it means. Let me show you. Uh, so, so that something is, is covered. It's hidden. It's not shown it's always been there. It's always been. God's plan has always been there. But think about it. As we'll move into Christmas time, what he did is he unveiled. He, he showed his plan for others to see in a revelatory fashion. Jesus was now on the scene. It was no longer a prophecy, something that was foretold and might come one day, but it has arrived. Can you say Amen. And, and I want to say this, that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's arrived in your life. you got to be focused on that plan, though. you got to know what God is doing in the midst of that to provide salvation for you to have that, to have that personal relationship with Jesus. You are now a part of God's plan, amen? And you should not be stumbling on yourself. So what next? What I did this week with our, our statement of what's next, uh, we, we talk about four things specific that we want to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. This week I inverted them and wanted to start with make a difference. Make a difference. That everything that comes before is meant for that purpose that you will make a difference. Listen, even secular uh, sociologists say this, that the happiest pe people are those um, who look at their life. They somehow in their life they know and they see that their actions are making somebody else's life better. That's secularism. That's not even spirituality. That's not even the kingdom of God. That people in general, and I, I say this, it's because that's how God created us. God didn't create us to be selfish. Man, you all are stoic this morning. You with me? He did not create us to be selfish. God created us to be givers. It would be people who would do for others. They would take care of others, right? Uh, you remember Cain and Abel? When all of it kicked off, Adam and Eve, you know, they fall short 
Um, you know, they mess up because they choose to eat from a tree that God told them they couldn't eat from. And it wasn't that God was trying to withhold something from them. It's just that God was trying to prove that he, they weren't robots. They were created in his image, that they had choice. And they chose the wrong thing. And then what happens? Cain and Abel come along, and the same old thing, right? One finds favor, the other does not. And, of course, God chastises, you know, uh, uh, Cain, you know, it's like, hey, if you don't do well, will you not find pleasure with me? Will you not find favor with me if you do well? Right? You have praise all the same if you do well. But sin is lying at the door, and its desire is for you, is what he says to Cain. Look, sin's always knocking at a door and asking you to open up. Its desire is for you to be destructive and to separate you from God. And I would have you rule over it, is what God says. Amen. Cain didn't. He kills his brother. Why? He's looking for a shortcut. If I can just get the one who's found favor with God out of the picture, then maybe I'll rate higher. Is that making sense to you? That doesn't work with God. We've got to see that we, we are called to be like our God, to love and to do for others. And in that, there is a return. It, it, it's it's the, the, the law of seed, time, and harvest. God's the one that put it into place. It's his design. And when we work according to God's design, when we live according to God's design, what happens is God's design works for us. Come on now. So make a difference, make a difference, discover purpose. See, the, the whole thing is if you don't find your role, it's, it, your purpose in life, it's really difficult to make a difference in other people's lives. Just find that purpose, discover your purpose is the key to enjoying everything that God has done to give you freedom. And of course, what's that? Ties to finding freedom, find freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. You know, it's hard to see a better tomorrow when you're looking at the bad decisions and the mistakes of yesterday. It's really hard. That's the whole thing about finding freedom. Is, is, uh, so, so you remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? You guys remember that story? Y'all are going to have to talk to me a little bit this morning. I'm going to preach a whole lot better to you, and this will go a whole lot faster. And you'll get to lunch and all of that if you'll talk to me just a little bit. Do you remember that woman caught in the act of adultery? Can you remember some of the sins maybe that you, you felt like God convicted you of? You knew you had been found out? You know some of them right now? You notice how you just kept going quieter on that. <laughs> Caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus, of course, with their accusers, what he does is he bends down, he's writing in the sand. And, you know, many scholars believe what he was doing. He's writing the Ten Commandments or he's writing commandments in the ground. Or Basically, all we know is, is that as he's writing in the ground... One by one, the accusers left. And finally, he looks up. Woman, where did all your accusers go? Well, they've all left. Neither do I accuse you. Know that Jesus didn't come to condemn you for things that you might have done or things you might be doing. What he's done is to give you an invitation to inherit eternal life and begin to walk in it like you've never walked in it before. So find your freedom. Don't let the sorrows of yesterday and the bad decisions today, right? Or the tragedies that you might be suffering through right now. Find freedom from those things. And let me say this, there's only one way that's possible and that's to know God. I don't only really know about God, I mean know Him. The Greek word here is genosko, genosko. Experience, this is the summation of, of pages that you could read about the word genosko. Experience that leads to intimate knowledge. 
these places when we, we come into worship, and I, I can think back when I was younger, and I didn't like to, I didn't want to sing in front of anybody. I don't sing so good. Um, I, I didn't want to dance. I didn't want to clap. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. The expression, if you will, right? Something that, you know, here's this invisible God, but somehow I'm like, he's right here with me. Like, I've lost my mind. No, no. What's happened is, is I've, I've transitioned out of being in, in that place of having a knowledge about God and having a knowledge that's based in experience. I've experienced the living God. I've experienced his presence. I've experienced his wonder. And as a result of that, I cannot help but listen, but lavish love back on the one that lavishes love on me. Come on. I want to give love to the one who loves. He is the lover of my soul. And not just any kind of love, but agape love. It's the best love there can be. Why? It's unconditional. And God lavishes his love on us. Know that it is always an invitation to come further with him. And listen, not just further with him, but to be like him. You know, how, how many have been married long enough to uh, be in a conversation with your partner and finish their sentence? Not that it's smart to do that. Can I get an amen? Have you done that? You know, you've been around and they say something, you're like, oh, I know what they're going to say next. Right? Now, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. My point is this, is that when, you're, when you get to a place where you're in a relationship with God, that it's intimate enough and connected enough to where you're reading something in Scripture, and, and it's like you have this impression of something that is about to happen or be said, or we call it prophecy. The Bible calls it prophecy. You get an impression of something, maybe a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, that you have a knowledge of something that you couldn't have a knowledge. And see, that intimate relationship with God, uh, what did I say? When, when God unveils, he reveals, uh, he gives you a revelation of something. It's much, much different than just knowing about God. Knowing, of, well, his word says this, his word says this, his word says this, yes. But what is the living bread? What's that preceding word upon that word for your own life? See, uh, I know this. I knew John 3.16 when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Come on, somebody. You know, most people know John 3.16. We can say this, even from, from football with, uh, what was that guy's name? Tim Tebow, right? 3.16 under his eyes. And, 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 you know, they said that that was like the number one Googled, uh, it was like the number one hit uh, on Google or other search engines when he was on national TV and he had 3.16. It was the number one hit. And John 3.16 came up for that. When they looked it up, it came up on that. And it was like the highest search from that day when he was on national TV. People know about it, but do they know it? They know, okay, so the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But do they know it? Do they have a revelation or are they just stumbling all over the plan of God? Has it become manifest in their own life? Have they received salvation? Have they come to a knowing relationship with God? Genosco, intimate. Listen to Matthew. Said This is why it's important. Listen to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will, will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Think about that. That so often what we would, we tend to want to validate our relationship with God would be that, well, I read the Bible. I go to church. You know, I help in children's ministry or I help in the worship team or hospitality or I help with this or I serve this or I give a little bit of money to this mission thing or, or that thing. Let me tell you that, that while those things might be important to the furtherance of the gospel, if, if it's not tied to the intimate relationship with God, that if I feel that I, I gain some merit with God in relationship because of what I do, then I'm sorely mistaken at what the gospel is. The gospel is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that personal relationship, that true, intimate knowing of Christ, Genosco, because of that, the same works that he does, I go and do. But they don't become something that I'm reciting to Jesus on the day that I get to heaven and saying, yeah, but I did all these things, and because I did those, you got to let me in. No, i, I got to know him. i got to be okay with having a conversation with him, even though maybe I can't physically touch him, maybe I can't physically see him, audibly, you know, physically hear him, but I know by faith. And by the presence of God's spirit dwelling in me, that Jesus and I have a genuine, true, an authentic relationship that can't be broken. No one's going to pluck me out of God's hand. Come on, somebody. No one's going to pluck you out of God's hand when you've got a personal relationship with Jesus. And on that day when you stand before him, what a, how, how's the hymn go? What a glorious day it will be. I, I remember growing up in, in uh a church of Christ, and, and they sang hymns in the church I grew up in, and, uh, and they sang a, a, a hymn. Anybody ever heard of, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll, don't laugh at me, I know I can't sing, but you know what I'm saying? When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Will you be there? Will you actually be there? Let me say the only way you're there is through that personal relationship with Jesus. Don't underestimate the importance of that interaction with him. Why? Because God is not looking for religion. God, he is looking for relationship. God's not looking for religion. He's looking for relationship. Right? Give me something real, not religious. I understand that pure and undefiled religion is ministry to the widows and to orphans and so on. I, I understand that, that there's good things done through religion, but let me say this. That, that religion is never what God's been after. He's always been after a personal relationship with you. How do I know that? Matthew 15, 1 through 3, and then 6 through 9. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands before they eat. Now, Paul's there. Look up here. <laughs> do you, so, does anybody know how they had to wash their hands? That It wasn't just that they... You know, the tradition was that they washed their hands before they eat. But do you understand that there was actually a way they had to wash their hands? Did you know that? They actually, when they washed their hands, they couldn't. You, when you wash your hands, do you wash your hands under the sink like this? How many of you, when you're done, you know, you ever go 
shake them off, and then grab the towel or the paper towel. Give me an amen if that's you. All right, most of us, right? You can't wash your hands that way. Not according to the law. According to the law, you had to wash your hands. How many of you ever watched, uh, what's, that, what's that medical show, um, uh, ER or something like that, uh, Grey's Anatomy or whatever those things are? And you watch doctors, and they go, and when they wash, how do they wash? And they're holding their hands up like this, and the water's dripping off. They actually had to wash to where the water dripped off their elbow. And to have their hands held up like this, not shake them off. Now, I don't know about you, but, man, those are some sticky traditions, you know. Um, you go in there, you wash your hands, you, you, you know, your mind goes, oh, you know, water drips off your finger, you, you're done. You didn't wash your hands right. You hearing me? That's what the Pharisees were focused on. Crazy rules. Listen to this. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? I don't know about you. We can all get stuck in tradition. I follow God because this is what my family did, or this is the way I do it because that's what you know, my church did. Or Let me say, you need to have a personal connection with Jesus, and you need to have him replying to you. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And what is the command of God? Love God and love others. Here's what he says. You nullify. Nullify. Make, make the word of God of no effect. You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These, uh, the, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. How many of you have ever experienced that in church life? Let me say that's something that, that even as we do things, there's, we, we make rules to, to facilitate certain things. But, uh, you know, for instance, let me say this. It's like uh, it became a tradition for us to do the harvest party every year, right? And then what happens is it becomes so much work, man, that, that all of our team is doing all of that and they're not interacting with people. But I want to tell you that the whole reason of doing the harvest party was to connect with people, or let me say it this way, to connect people to Jesus. Come on. And so what happened is it's kind of like the event starts to overwhelm the actual mission. And you got to weigh those things and say, are we elevating a tradition of something we've been doing and it's had good effect, but it has actually become the focus rather than sharing Christ. And that's why we wanted to say, how could we do this in a simpler way that we still connect with our community and, and we have a light shining in the midst of a dark holiday, but yet we're giving them an invitation to come to Christ. And we felt that would be a good way. Listen to Matthew 25, 1 through 12. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to, to, uh, to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was, was a, a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now stop right there. This is Jesus. This is the way he does things. He, he rolls into a story. He, he basically makes up this parable and begins to share a story. But in sharing that story, he is actually, he's trying to give, uh, if you will, it's veiled, the revelation that one day Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or ring. He's coming back for a bride. Listen to me. The oil that's in the lamp. You're the lamp. The oil that's in you is the Holy Spirit. And you've got to stay filled with the Holy Spirit 
if you have any hope of having the light around you to be able to see the bridegroom when he's coming. When the time of invitation comes, if you have a hope of hearing the bridegroom and being ready to go in, when I say go in, to go into heaven and be with him, the only way that happens is to remain filled with the Spirit of God. Listen to what it says. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones uh, said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us, uh, us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Now listen. When he shows up, the basic meaning of this parable, it's probably a little too late to try and get filled with the Spirit. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know you. I got to tell you, reading that parable, that's one of those things where you go, I don't want that to be me when I get to that moment. I don't want to get to that moment in my relationship with Christ to find out that basically I might have had religious traditions or, or you know, uh, methods in, in, in religion rather than a personal relationship with Jesus. And that what happens is, is that I'm staying in that intimate, close connection and being filled with the Spirit, not once. The Bible says this. Don't, you're not to be filled with the Spirit of God just once, but the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Continually. That is an everyday occurrence, saints. Amen? All right, so he's looking for what then? He's looking for people in love. Jesus is looking for people in love with him. Depart from me, I never knew you. I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Let me say, when you know him, when you're in love with him, you can't help but know him. And that's where you want to be when he arrives, amen? When you're not in love, there are some things that happen. Here's some symptoms that might be there if you're struggling to be in love with Jesus. A sense of powerlessness. Powerlessness. You have a sense of, I just don't have the power. I don't have what I feel like I had with God. I feel like situations are bigger than God in my life. I feel overwhelmed, you know, by the failings of relationships. Or, you know, you'll, you'll feel a sense of powerlessness if you're in that place of falling out of love with Jesus. When you're in love with Jesus and you know his love for you, there's no situation He's not bigger than. Amen? Amen? Another one is frustration with trying to do good. In other words, doing, doing works. Serving the kingdom of God. You know, again, it might be serving on a worship team. It might be children, greeting. You know, whatever it may be. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to do that. You, you feel frustrated with it. Like, oh, this is organized religion. Serving people and creating an opportunity where they can come together, be loved on, and hear the message of Christ and worship together corporately. Let me say... Uh, hopefully we're not organized religion 
what, what it is is we're an organism. We're, we're the body of Christ that comes together to give him honor and glory and be a place of witness in our community. Amen? Then third, envying others who seem to be closer. If that's the case, maybe you've lost your first love. You don't feel that sense of favor with God like you used to. As I already shared the story of Cain and Abel, that's where he was. Abel had favor. Cain did not. And it was envy that drove Cain to kill his brother. Don't envy others. Just go get your own. Get your own. Establish your own personal relationship with Jesus. Make it the most meaningful meeting you have all day long. If there's anything you do and you start your day out with Christ, let me say, make it the most meaningful meeting you have all day long. And every other meeting you have thereafter will have great meaning. If your meeting with Jesus is the most important one, every other meeting that follows throughout your day will have meaning. Amen. So here's the question I believe Jesus is asking. Do you love me? Do you love me? He was standing in front of you right now. He was to ask you that question, do you love me? What would your answer be? Here's what Paul the Apostle said, Philippians 3.10. I want to know Genosco. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ. I don't just want to know him. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. This isn't just a knowledge of something. This is an experience. Genosco. Amen. Uh, how many of you heard about Toby Mac's son dying. Anybody, you know who Toby Mac is, right? DC Talk. Anybody ever heard? Man, you guys are quiet this morning. I'm telling you, make it hard for a preacher. You all know who Toby Mac is? Okay. How many of you heard about his oldest son dying? Tragic, right? As tragic as it can be. I, I, what's interesting, he released a statement, but it was this portion of his statement. I could not imagine losing one of my children. And for whatever reason, you know, all the details on it, I really don't care. The human condition has a way of, you know, inviting the enemy to come in to kill, steal, and destroy. And whatever the situation was, we know he was robbed from this earth too early, right? But listen to Toby Mack's statement. My wife and I would want the world to know this. We don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him. Like, you know, we'll follow you if you bless us. We'll follow God. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. And he is beautiful above all things. Could that be said any better than someone that's just lost, you know, 21-year-old, their oldest son, their firstborn son, and it, like Job, has the statement, in that sense, we release our hands into God. No, the enemy might have come in to do this, but though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Whatever the enemy comes to do, just know this. Never stop putting your trust in God. Never turn from that, that genosco kind of love. God has that for you. Have that for him. And no matter if it's a hill or it's a valley, and God will see you through that in honor of him and to your honor. 
it's not just in honor of him, but when you honor him, I promise you, it will always turn to your honor because you honor God. So here's what you got to do. Number one, accept his love so that you can love. Accept his love so that you can love. Do you love me? If Jesus was to ask, do you love me? Let me say you got to accept his love so that you're capable of loving. Amen. Listen to this. 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. Number two, don't just pursue, but passionately pursue, pursue relationship with God. Passionately pursue relationship with God. Jeremiah 29.13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with some of your heart with all of your heart let God have everything when you when you pursue him let him be number one and the third one make the decision to follow Christ make the decision again if, you, if you've not done that before in your life man make that decision today if you have make it again and again and again and again say that with me again and again and again and again Oh, we can do better than that. Again, again. and again, again, and again, and again. Make that decision every day of your life to receive, receive him. Receive the fullness of everything that he offers you again and again and again and again. Don't pull back, but press in. Luke 9, 24. If you try to hang onto your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Be willing to follow Christ. Listen, and you can't follow Christ unless you give yourself up. Give up on you and go all in with Jesus. Amen? Give up on you and go all in with Jesus because there is a day coming. When you get to heaven, there's two tests. And in, in this book uh, that Chris Hodges wrote, that's one of the areas in the latter part of the, of the book. And that's the two tests. He talks about two tests. And those two tests are this. Number one, do you know Jesus? And number two, what did you do for others? What did you do for others? What did you do with what Jesus did for you? Do you know Jesus and what did you do for others? A couple final thoughts. And the kids are going to come in in a moment. And we're going to sing a song as we close the day. And we're going to get to give our offering towards digging the well. But a couple final thoughts on that, and I want to pray with you. And that is, number one, what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others lives beyond us. What we do for ourselves will die with us, but what we do for others will live beyond us. You know, man, I hate getting emotional. But even taking some time, Angie and I looked at, okay, we're going to take our vacation time. And how many of you agree that, you know, when you, you know, get a little older, your kids are all out, and, you know, finally you can rest a little bit and it's kind of like, man, you know, let's go on a vacation and just go lay around and read and sleep and eat. And, well, yeah, give me an amen. I know some of you still raising kids. God bless you, man. My heart goes out to you. It's a lot of work. Um, but, you know, uh, Daniel and Jeremiah, I remember we didn't have a lot of opportunities, like just get away, just the two of us. And, and, and there were times there were fights and stuff, and really what it came down to is we were just so stressed out with everything that was 
weighing on us, working and raising kids and, you know, uh, just all the demands of life. And, and really didn't have anybody that would step in and say, hey, let's take the kids for a week and you guys just get away. Come on, somebody say that. That'd be a blessing, right? And so, you know, I got to tell you, though, um, so Angie and I, you know, they said, we'd like to take a cruise. Would you guys watch the kids? You know, we're thinking like Angie and I did a cruise one time. It was three days long. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And then they inform us it's seven days long. We're like, oh, snap, that's a long time. <laughs> and, and then you got to be there early enough for them to be able to leave town and go, you know, and, and so we're kind of in that place, and this is my family, and I mean it to go beyond my family, but this is a, a fresh moment for me because I just got back from that trip. Angie's actually wrapping the trip up, serving them, because they don't get back till tonight. But we went down there, and we've got our kids. And I got to tell you that, you know, praying with those little boogers, you know, you're talking basically five years old, three and a half, and 18 months. That's bold for grandparents. Come on now. How many grandparents in the room give me an amen on that? You never watched them for that many nights. I think three is the longest we've had them, and there was a few meltdowns. Um, but I got to tell you that love, gosh, man, love, love makes such an impact, man. And it's sacrifice to love. I mean, I got to tell you, it was Angie and I, we got to have our rest. And I don't mean beauty rest. I mean survival rest, you know. We get down there with them, and, you know, there's this long you know, uh, you know, this one's up, you know, a little bit later and that one's doing this and this one's up at four in the morning. And, and I'm like, yeah, man, that ain't, we got to go to sleep when they sleep because it just doesn't work to try and do our thing. We got to do their thing. And we know that, but you, you know that, but then, then you got to be willing to do it that way. And so we're going to bed at seven o'clock at night and waking up at four and five in the morning with them, you know, um, but that was the best way we were going to get the rest we needed to, to be able to serve them as well as we could. My point is, is that as I was doing that and spending the time with them and, and I was sharing with Pastor Warren before the service that Bella would wake up in the morning. This is the 18 months. She would wake up in the morning and she'd, she'd lay on my chest and just, she'd, she'd kiss me, you know. And just, I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. Over and over. I mean, let me say it this way. It would be nothing to say that that kid said she loves Papa a thousand times while I was on this trip. We're driving down the road and she's in the back. I love you, Papa. I love you. I love you too, Bella. I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. And Angie's like, okay, Bella, we get it, you know. And Bella, Bella goes, I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. You understand. You understand that that's the same thing, you know. We love you because you first loved us. And loving on them and just taking care of them, doing for them. And, you know, and let me tell you, I told Angie, I said, Danielle is a superhero. As far as I'm concerned, Angie was a superhero when she was raising our three. The kingdom of God is no different than that. God loved us so much that Jesus, right, he's able to, he's come and he gives his life for us. How much more should we return our love to him and all the kids? I can tell you that just my heart is full. <clears throat> my body is tired. <laughs> I went on vacation and my body is tired, but my heart is full. And, and even though I'm a little tired, the reality is, is I'm more refreshed than I've been if I could have slept days on end. Why? Because I have a genuine relationship. I have a bonding and a connection with my grandkids that I would not have had I not been willing to make that sacrifice. Angie and I both. 
It's the same thing with us and God. And let me say this. It's the same thing concerning his purpose. If you want to make a difference, you got to be willing to do more than just for yourself. you got to do for others because it will make an impact for the kingdom of God in their lives. It will solidify the message of God's love when it's like, what does it matter with these people? They would be willing to give up their life to help me. That's the message of the kingdom. And it becomes the invitation. Just like the woman at the well that says, come and meet a man that's told me. I want you to come meet Jesus. He's kind of told me all about my life. He can tell you all about yours. And you can have a genuine relationship with him as well. Amen? So in making a difference in closing, make a different difference by giving your time, your talent. And we always say time, talent, and treasure. But, but in the book, I like how Chris says this, time, talent, touch, and treasure. Touch. Look for those opportunities that you can meaningfully make an impact in other people's lives. God's given us so much. Giving it away is the way you get to see it increase. And it increases for one reason, so that you can give even more away. Amen? That's the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom of God works. Can I pray for you? I'm going to let you stand for a moment. The kids are going to come as I pray. Stand and stretch a little bit. And uh, again, uh, man, you can come. I mean, if you didn't bring change this morning, you can give whatever you want to give and just put it in the buckets. I think we're cruising up around the 1500 mark, and we've got to raise at least $3,000 to dig a well. We're trying to do it before Christmas um, so that we can give a well to a, a community. It's in Africa. We're going to give them a well as a Christmas present, present from Gateway Church, the children's ministry leading the way for our entire church. Amen? I think it's an amazing thing to have them lead us. And let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, concerning what's next in our life, Father, it's not like it's just one time, but there's many times, many areas of our life. And I pray that by your grace, Father, that your people can make the right choices, the right decisions, to take the right next steps in every area of your life. Father, but concerning here at Gateway Church, I pray that if they've never come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, that this would be their day. And if you're here today and that's you, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just courtesy for people that might be taking that step today. You just lift your hand today if that's you and you never uh, have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. You've never taken that step if that's you today, would you raise your hand? If there's nobody and everybody is saved in the room, then my prayer would be that each and every one of us open our hearts to him and allow him to come in fresh and anew every day. And that we find freedom. You're struggling, you're battling in areas. Jesus came so that you might have freedom. And I, I tell you this, if you're struggling to find it on your own, there's a reason why. You need other people to help you find freedom. So if that's you, I would just encourage you to seek some other believers out. You can come and talk to one of the pastors. We'd be more than willing to pray with you, help you to take a next step in finding freedom in your life. If, if you have found freedom, man, you've got to discover your purpose so that you can move towards giving back, helping make a difference in other people's lives. So Father, this morning I pray over all of our people that your grace and your mercy, Father, would flow into their life freely and the Lord each and every one of them would strive Father God but in their striving Lord God they would also rest knowing that it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord and so Lord let your spirit 
have his way in all of our lives and lead us and guide us into all truth. Father, show us of the things that are to come in our life. And Lord, for every opportunity that comes our way, may we be the kind of people that, Father, study to show ourselves approved workmen, rightly dividing the word of truth. We can give the answers, Lord God, not of tradition, but God, the answers inspired by the Holy Spirit that bring revelation into others' lives so that Christ is unveiled to them. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.